Health is a state of complete harmony of the body, mind, and spirit. When one is free from physical disabilities and mental distractions, the gates of the soul open. Hello and welcome to episode 287 of Under the Cull of MS. This is a Wellness Wednesday episode, so we're just talking about health and wellness stuff today. But I am going to complain about one thing that I've seen in the headlines today that kind of pissed me off a little bit. A jury in at, at the Ohio, in some Ohio courtroom, a federal jury says CBS, Walgreens, and Walmart pharmacies didn't do enough to stop the flow of the opioid crisis. Number one. The doctors are the ones that write the prescriptions. The pharmacists are the ones that fill the prescriptions and get in trouble from the patients, the doctors, whoever, insurance companies, whatever, if they don't fill these prescriptions. So blaming the pharmacies? Uh Uh-uh. No way. Not a single pharmacist told me, okay, here's opioids for you. Try these. It was every damn doctor that sat there and shoved these things down my face. So let's start looking where the facts are and start doing some deeper research because there's no reason these doctors would have pushed these opioids as hard as they did if they weren't getting kickbacks from the opioid companies to do that. The pharmacies didn't get kickbacks. The doctors got the kickbacks. So... Get your head out of your ass. Heads out of your asses again, federal people. And do your jobs. Pay attention to the world and use common sense when you're looking into things because that is that just pissed me off. Because not a single pharmacist put me on an opioid. Uh, let's wake up, world. Quit killing everybody with your stupidity. And quit making more money by doing lawsuits that are even stupider. All right. And now, with that in the bag, (laughs) let's talk about some health and wellness stuff. As the cat's walking towards me about ready to pounce right away as soon as I start the podcast. Let's see. Coffee. Why does it make us tired? Is it really the coffee? As a stimulant, caffeine can boost energy levels and make you feel sharper. In the United States, the biggest dietary source of caffeine is coffee. Uh, Not everyone reacts the same way to caffeine. Some people feel tired after only one cup. Others can drink several, several cups a day and feel no ill effects. But it's not actually coffee that makes you tired it's the way it affects your body that can lead to sleepiness it's because coffee blocks adenosine which is a chemical in the central nervous system it regulates your sleep wake cycle when you're awake during the day your adenosine levels increase eventually making you drowsy by suppressing the activity of cells in the basal forebrain. 
after you fall asleep, adenosine levels drop. Caffeine and coffee blocks the brain's adenosine receptors from receiving adenosine. But it doesn't stop the actual production of adenosine or the ability to form additional adenosine receptors. This means that when the effects of caffeine wear off, there's a buildup of adenosine wanting to bind to its receptors. We got a lot of freaking receptors in our bodies. <laughs> we should figure those all out. And then we could make products that can enhance the ones that we want to enhance. Ca- caffeine has been considered a diuretic for years. A diuretic is a substance that makes you pass urine more often. This lends itself to the theory that drinking a lot of coffee increases your risk of dehydration. I was wondering why coffee... They say, like, every cup of coffee you have, you should drink three cups of water to make up for the dehydration. That's happening in your body, is what I've heard, at least. And that never made, I never really understood. It's like you make coffee and tea with water. So why do you have to add water? But this makes sense. It's coffee's forcing it, forcing your body to release fluids. And that's why it's causing the the dehydration. But many scientists argue that caffeine containing beverages don't really impact the urinary output in the long term any differently than other beverages, which is what I was always thinking, but as usual, we never have no definitive answers. Some scientists say one thing, some say the other, and whichever one you read is probably the one you're going to believe. If you do find that drinking coffee makes you urinate more frequently than normal, you may get stuck in a cycle of dehydration that makes you feel more tired which I never really noticed having to go to the bathroom more after coffee. But when you're dehydrated, cells in the body lose fluid volume. When this affects their normal function, it can also lead to feelings of sluggishness. It's natural to reach for another cup of coffee to counteract the sluggishness, but this can start to cycle all over again. Caffeine is also causes vasoconstriction. This means it causes certain blood vessels to narrow. This could alter blood flow through different parts of the body and possibly cause things like low blood pressure and rapid heartbeat and feelings of fatigue and slugginess from that. Uh, If you're drinking a lot of coffee, you may not be drinking as much water as you should to rehydrate yourself. Uh, The Health and Medicine Division of the National Academies recommends being guided by your thirst, but does provide a total daily water intake to aim for. 15 cups for the average adult male and 11 cups for the average adult female. That's a lot of water. I thought the standard was eight, but they're going off a different guideline here. 
This guideline includes water in drinks other than pure water and water from the food you consume unless you're experiencing symptoms of dehydration such as dark colored urine and headaches. You're probably drink probably drinking enough water if you aren't dealing with those issues. If you like to add sugar to your coffee, you may have regular sugar crashes after drinking it. This added sugar may come in the form of whipped cream or shots of syrup. They're often standard. Those are often standard in specialty coffee drinks that you get at places like your Star Nuts. The body processes sugar much faster than caffeine, so after sugar is used up by your body, you may experience an energy slump. How quickly that happens depends on the person. It could happen within 90 minutes after ingesting sugar. Sugar. If you don't want to give up your coffee habit, try to stick to the daily intake recommendations of 400 milligrams of caffeine per day. This is about two to four eight ounce cups of brewed coffee per day per day, depending on the coffee mixture. So that's a good amount of coffee. You don't need no more than that. I can't even go through a half a cup now because I can't stand the taste of it all of a sudden. I used to love my coffee, just standard black coffee. To further minimize fatigue, avoid coffee-based drinks with sugary syrups and creams. You should also limit your use of added sweeteners. Alternating one cup of coffee with one cup of water may also help. It's kind of like the whole philosophy behind drinking alcohol, too. It's like, if you're smart and you don't want to end up all completely wasted, plowed by the end of the night, have one alcoholic drink and a water a glass of water in between drinks, and that way you also won't have the problems of the dry mouth and all that throughout the night when you're trying to sleep or waking up, just dealing with the hangover issues and all that. It kind of helps with all those problems. So take those into consideration. Basically, coffee isn't itself won't instantly make you feel tired. But the caffeine it contains may actually lead to fatigue after regularly drinking it over time. If you stick to 400 milligrams of caffeine per day or less and go easy on the added sugar, you should reap the benefits of caffeine and avoid its drawbacks. And it's like <laughs> another example of a upper that can't work sometimes is Coffee's like cocaine. If you put a bunch of additives in your cocaine, like laxative and stuff like that, you might not get the effects of the awakeness that you would expect to get from it. Instead, you sit there and <laughs> do a few lines, and you're <clears throat> excuse me, and you're sitting there yawning right after. So, all depends on what you put in your foods and drinks on the effects that you're going to get from them. So always consider that. All right. It's Thanksgiving time. It's like the 
Food Network puts out a Thanksgiving list of different types of things that are on the healthier Thanksgiving side list, like herb, ro- herb roasted turkey breast, butternut squash soup, shaved vegetable salad, which that I I should start shaving some of the vegetables I don't care for as much and do a shaved vegetable salad. I need a drink. <clears throat> a drink of water, not a drink. The drink you're probably thinking of right now. But <laughs> it's too early in the day for that, and I'm right in the middle of my, just finished the second week of my sugar flush, so I still got two more weeks of that to go before I can have a good old drink of tequila. Which should be really enjoyable lately because my hockey team's been kicking ass. Been enjoying that. And with football season here, football and hockey, it's hard not to not to have a drink once a week or so. But but yeah, shaved vegetable salad. That way you can have a huge variety of different vegetables that you're not usually going to eat or can't stand. And then they don't taste as bad because they're shaved nice and thin. That's a good way to do that. And all these, I'm just giving you the names. They're on the Food Network site. You can look them up and get the actual recipe if any sound good. Brussels sprouts with bacon. That's a good way to do your Brussels sprouts. Get that extra flavoring in it. And they're not so hard, too, if you grill them right. Roasted sweet potatoes with honey and cinnamon. Jesus, put sweet on top of sweet on top of sweet. Devilish eggs. <laughs> I like devil eggs, but they use uh, horseradish hot sauce and Dijon mustard and chives instead of the mayo. And it's like my standard recipe is mayo, red wine vinegar, and uh, yellow mustard. And then I'll top it with paprika, and that's a perfect devil, deviled egg. Red wine vinegar gives it that extra little little ting, which is nice. But I'd like to try their recipe because I like horseradish. I like the spicy stuff, but the wife can't handle spice. So I'd have to make those for myself if I did. Sautéed carrots. Turkey spring rolls. Those I could see doing for a meal with the leftover turkey. That I could do on a sugar flush. That wouldn't be bad. Turkey roulade with apple cider gravy. Vinegar, wild rice, stuffed butternut squash. Herb and apple stuffing. Butternuts. Well, we did the butternut squash soup, but one was runny and one was thick. They had two different types in there. They got a vegan stuffing for you. Next day turkey soup. That looks good. Lots of vegetables, a white broth. I could see using like a bone broth for your turkey soup would probably be really good and healthy. Apple crisp. I don't know how that's healthy. Giada's roasted potatoes, carrots, parsnips, and Brussels sprouts. That actually looks really good, but I can't have potatoes. I'm a sugar flush. Green bean casserole with crispy shallots. Standard green bean casserole is always the way to go. 
the Campbell's soup one with the crispy onions on top. That's still the best. In my opinion, Ellie's sweet potato pecan casserole. Yuck. Can't stand sweet potatoes. Alton's chipotle smashed sweet potatoes. They're going to be sick of sweet potatoes by the time they get done eating. Gluten-free stuffing. Elton's tart cranberry dipping sauce. How does that be a gluten-free stuffing when they have croutons on it? I don't know how that works. Elton's tart cranberry dipping sauce. I still like, I like my new method of doing the cranberry jello with the whole cranberry. Can of whole cranberries, a smaller can of chopped pineapple, a packet of strawberry jello, three cups of boiling water uh i think that's all that goes in it but won't be having that this year because half that has sugar too rachel's orange scented green beans twice baked sweet potatoes lemon maple squash lots of gourd recipes here on this this group but i guess if you're going healthy go with the gourds glazed carrots and turnips vegan vegan gravy vegan scalp potatoes a vegetarian gravy a mustard parmesan whole roasted cauliflower that sounds good I got some fresh Parmesan. Get myself some mustard greens. Chop those up. But damn it, I didn't pick up no cauliflower. Pumpkin Parmesan biscuits. Pear and blue cheese salad. Mm, that sounds good too. I was looking at pears today, but they're in the sugar departments. So I couldn't have them. They're looking pretty damn good. It's that time of year where they're at that perfect ripeness to make pear bread uh, brussels sprouts with pancetta roasted butternut squash salad with tangerine rosemary vinaigrette a skillet turkey with roasted vegetables pumpkin chocolate chip cookies gluten-free whole grain stuffing squares mm, those look good too I'm getting really hungry because I, oh, I'll talk about it in a second. Roasted beet, onion, and orange salad, and pumpkin smoothie. That's, I mean, some of them sound pretty good. And they're worth checking out. Try it. See if you like it. See if you can find something to enjoy. Uh, basically, like I said, I just finished week two. Of the sugar flush. I'm not doing super great with the absolute sugar flush. I wanted to be 100% sugar free, but I got all sick the first two days. So I had a, oh, I had that spoonful of peanut butter and then I added a couple things into this routine like lemon. I haven't used avocado yet. I was going to use some avocado, but I didn't. Uh, I made deviled eggs twice the first week 
using a tablespoon of mayo with for six eggs cut up and deviled egg. So basically I'm getting about a third a tablespoon of mayo because that's two two egg halves for each person. But uh, I did that twice, so that was bad. And then I'm trying to think what the other th- oh apparently my almonds which I don't eat a lot. I only have a few almonds a day if I do have them. Uh, I'd say maybe twice, two, two to four times a week I'll have some almonds or walnuts. But I notice they have a slight bit of sugar. I, mean, I, know, I know they're natural sugars, but I when I take it into consideration that I'm doing a sugar flush, the last time I did it, it was a complete, absolute sugar flush, but can't think of what else. Oh, beans. Yeah, I allowed myself refried beans and black beans. And I make my own refried black bean with just black bean, canned black beans and oil and seasoning. Uh, and I am considering doing, toasting up a couple cans of, uh, what you call it, the beans that you... I got cannellini stuck in my head. It's not that. It starts with a C, though. But those beans that you use to make hummus, chickpea, chickpeas, I want to make, toast up a bunch of those and season them so I got something potato chippy to munch on later at night. But what I've been doing, I've been back to my intermittent fasting also after the first, pretty much after the first week. I got back to the intermittent fasting because I was finally at a point where I wasn't all sick feeling and stuff and it was going better. So now um, I fast except from 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. at night is when I can eat. So I'm doing basically 18 to 20 hours of fasting a day. Sometimes I munch on something a little bit early, earlier, might munch on some nuts. (laughs) Uh, but uh yeah it's it's been going pretty good uh the hunger spells aren't there anymore i could easily do a 36 hour fast but when i sit there and cook dinner for the other two people in the house and then i gotta sit there i got that food stuff on my head and i just i want to eat too so I make myself my dinner after I feed them the, the good-looking stuff. Then I make my crappy-looking stuff after and then make myself a little little container of stuff to munch on later on down the road. Oh, yeah, that's the other thing I allowed, allowed was certain hard cheeses into my routine. So that's another thing that has, like, less than one gram of natural sugars or whatever. But... So, but yeah, it's going pretty good with the intermittent fasting. Uh, I did have yesterday, I started to have that sugar detox feeling again. The bugginess has been amped up the past week or so. Actually, the past few days, the bugs are back. 
like you're going through a drug detox and you just I think the reason it was so hard to do it this time, I think I was probably on the verge of becoming diabetic because the last couple months I ate a lot of sugary shit that I shouldn't have, but I just gave up and going out to eat constantly and then picking up crap from the grocery store, always having sweet shit laying around. And the one thing I didn't eat, and I was really bummed about every year, every Halloween, I allow myself one box of blueberries and <laughs> I never opened it. Totally forgot about it. And it's just still sitting up in the cupboard. So when I open up the cupboard to make dinner for the gals, I see that box and it's like, damn it. But I don't crave it. So it's, I don't miss it or anything. I might have it down the road, but we'll see can always put it for sale on eBay and off season because right now I got, I did pick up two boxes of the Monster Mash cereal. I got those posted on eBay right now because people are obsessed with the weird things when they come out. And right now they can't get it anymore because it's off the shelves because the Halloween's over. So see what happens. See if I, un I can unload them. If not, I'll pick all the marshmallows out for hot chocolate next sometime in the winter and have mom eat all the other cereal pieces on top of her little, she likes to put little crunchy cereals on, a little handful of crunchy cereal on top of her oats in the morning, give her that crunch. So that would always work. But then I, uh, Monday, I started, I committed, I, I put in my weekly, we have a motivation thing that we have to do weekly with this group that I joined. And in there, I put that I was going to do three days of yoga this week, DDP yoga. Well, today was the third day that I did it. So I'm, I got my three days in, but my knees are shot today. I could hardly... It was really painful to walk around. I had to go run to the store and stuff this morning. And it hurt like a bitch to go walking around the store. But got home, started up the yoga, got to the knee part. and Uh-uh. So I had to do a bunch of modif modifications today. And do other things other than the kneeling parts of the yoga. Just did some different moves instead and worked around it. But I did get my three days of DDP yoga in. Monday, I felt awesome after it. Totally energized and up. Tuesday, not so much. Today, knee pains just got me down. I know I got a bunch of shit to do. So I'm trying to get perked up, but it's taking a bit. But at least I got the workout out, over with and done. And getting other things done and actually been a pretty, very productive two weeks with this sugar flush. So it's, that's a good thing. I, I, it's, I keeping myself going with a bunch of shit just to keep me from sitting there bored thinking about punching. So that's, that's a good thing. So I'm finally getting caught up on some stuff I really needed to a long time ago, <laughs> really long time ago. 
and I might actually eventually get my area cleaned up and set up too for my whole new podcasting station. I got some stuff, one area changed up a little bit, but I got to get a good picture for the background. I don't have a good, I want something decent behind me, but I'm going to have to change that up eventually. But otherwise, getting getting a lot of stuff organized that was sitting around for a really long time, just waiting for me to do something with it. So that's a good thing. And of course, if you heard the on Monday, I started the Monday Mad, Mad Manipod. So I got an, another new segment out there now. But we're running out of time with this portion, so I'll end this here, and I'll be right back with some more health and wellness and MS stuff to talk about right after this. All right, had to let the cat out, or at least try to let him out, because the little shit's just standing there meowing at me. They won't, don't know what he want, really wants. It's definitely not his dinner time yet. It's not for about four more hours. All right, making a grocery list that's healthy is a pain in the ass. But it's very helpful if you can have a decent one before you get to the store so you're not constantly looking at stuff, trying to figure it out. But summary meal planning is the first step to creating a healthy grocery shopping list. Creating a grocery list based on pre-planned meals will help you make nutritious dishes that fit your eating plan. Uh, an excellent way to start planning your meals is to create a recipe board detailing the meals you would like to eat for a week, including breakfast, lunches, dinners, and snacks. After figuring out what ingredients you will need to create your meals, add these to your grocery list, being sure to include the amount of each food you will need. Or if it's something you're going to do ongoing, just buy the best deal and that way you got the extras. Rather than scrambling to remember which favorite pantry staple you recently ran out of, keep a running list of items you need to buy during your next trip to the grocery store. Dry erase boards or magnetic to-do lists that hang on your fridge are excellent ways to keep tabs on your kitchen inventory. I personally want a huge Sheldon from Big Bang Theory style uh, dry erase board in my house. Just so I can write a ton of shit when it comes to mine and just sketch it down on there and then gradually come back to it and do figure out some things I'm missing and all that stuff. But that's the way I'd like to have some of my ideas laid out. I'd love to have one on the side of the fridge and one downstairs, one really big one downstairs and a smaller one on the side of the fridge for doing that for different types of ideas of things. Dry erase boards or magnetic to-do list. Okay, I just said that, didn't I? Uh, There are also many apps designed to help you stay on top of your grocery shopping and meal planning and keeping track of foods you use, as well as the new and healthy foods you want to try will make compiling your weekly shopping list that much easier. I got a list I always take with me that has things that we usually use 
and need, but I stupidly never look at it until I'm out of the store or back home, which I did today. And then there was two things on there. I'm like, shit. Next time. Uh, when you're trying out new foods, try incorporating one or two new ingredients each week to help you identify items that you truly like to eat and introducing new foods gradually will also save you from wasting food and money. And it's like, if it's something, you know, you're not going to really like the taste of, make sure you try it different ways. I want beets in my system as much as possible. Beets are a great superfood. But I can't find ways to eat them that I enjoy. So the way I do make them that I enjoy is I'll make a meatloaf and I'll dice up beets and throw them in my meatloaf. That's a great way to do it. Uh, If you make a casserole or something like that, it brightens up the food too. It makes it nice and red. (laughs) Uh... You can organizing your list into sections helps you shop more efficient. Like knowing, putting stuff by aisles and stuff like that. If you can remember what's where, uh, categories like vegetables, fruits, proteins, carbohydrates, healthy fats, dairy or non-dairy products, condiments, beverages, stuff like that. Organizing your grocery shopping list into categories can help you stay on task, saving you time and keeping you from making unhealthy choices. And you wouldn't be wandering around the store all lost like I was today, trying to decide what I was going to do. I'm getting yelled at by my cat, but the little shithead just will not go outside or anything like that. But I'm thinking he might want to go again. To avoid buying items that aren't good for you, stick to purchasing only the items included on your shopping list and focus on foods located in the parameter of the store. Making a nutritious and tasty grocery list before your shopping trip and resolving to purchase only the foods on it may help you stick to your healthy eating plan and avoid being drawn in by advertisements and sales. Gotta watch those end aisle things. It might be some good stuff you haven't had in a while. Let's see some examples of healthy, nutritious foods that you can put in your cart. Oh, this cat's gonna drive me crazy. <laughs> he's just he's out and out again, I think. So I'm gonna go run him up. Let him out, and I will be right back with some healthy food ideas after this. All right. I threw the little shit out the door. Open up the garage door a little bit, and you can come back in that way if he wants. He was out there chasing leaves. That's all he wants. And then I had to help Ma make sure her food was done for her party tomorrow. For Thanksgiving. So Now let's talk about 
some healthy, nutritious foods that you could put on your lit shopping list. Non-starchy vegetables like broccoli, beets, cauliflower, asparagus, onions, carrots, bell peppers, spinach, kale, arugula, mixed greens, radishes, green beans, zucchini, tomatoes, Brussels sprouts, mushrooms. I can't buy no damn mushrooms right now on sale at or a little medley pack that looks really good. It just really sucks. I've been going to a variety of different stores. I tried Sendix. I, I need to hit a couple bigger, fancier Whole food style stores. See see what they got. It's like the regular grocery store. All, all they have is the, shit, the basic mushrooms that just don't have any real flavor to them. I have been trying a good variety of different lettuces lately. And uh, I love the little Boston, I believe it's Boston lettuce. That works perfect for little cups instead of bread. I use that for my tuna wraps or whatever I'm having. But, and then you just dip them in like a olive oil, some hot pepper sauce and whatever seasonings you want to throw in there. I usually put some lemon in there too. Just use that as a dip. Uh, fruits like berries, bananas, apples, grapes, grapefruit, oranges, lemons, limes, pears, cherries, pineapple, pomegranate, kiwis, mangoes, all which I can't eat because they got sugars. But I am using lemons and I use the lime. I, uh, I seen pomegranates on sale again the other day. It's like, <laughs> they're such a pain in the ass to get the little seeds out. It's, I know you can buy bags of the seeds already out of them now, which is easier. But, but yeah, that's why I don't eat many of those. Proteins like eggs, shrimp, fish, chicken, fresh turkey breast, tofu, bison, beef, and then carbohydrates like sweet potatoes, potatoes, oats, butternut squash, quinoa, brown rice, beans, lentils, chia seeds, buckwheat, barley, whole grain bread. So I got some wild rice that I've been doing that has no sugar, and I got uh, some quinoa. And I think I picked up a brown rice, but haven't used it yet. And I think I picked up some vegetable pasta and uh, whole wheat pasta that were both, I think they're zero gram sugar, possibly one gram or less. Lentils I still have to do. I want to do that lentil meatloaf. Uh, beans I've been using. Chia seeds I have every day in my when I have my tea, I just love my chia seeds. Something to nibble on. A little bonus to the daytime tea. But no breads yet or anything like that at the moment. Not for at least the next couple weeks. And, and until I decide what my next move's going to be after that too. Healthy fats like olives. Ugh, so nasty, so salty. 
olive oil, avocados, avocado oil, coconut, coconut oil, nuts, seeds, almond butter, peanut butter, cashew butter, tahini, pesto, ground flax seeds. I need to get some more flax seeds now that I think of it. Uh, dairy and non-dairy products like Greek yogurt, cheese, cottage cheese, almond milk. I was going to pick up a big cottage cheese today, damn it. And I, uh, oh, well, I'll be back at the store. Almond milk, coconut milk, goat cheese, kefir, and unsweetened milk. I did pick up a unsweetened almond milk that I have been using. I had two glasses of it so far since I bought it. Just something to add with dinner. Uh, condiments like salsa, apple cider vinegar. I would not use it straight up. I would dilute it. Balsamic, balsamic, balsamic vinegar. Uh, can't say some words today again. Spices, herbs, stone ground mustard, horseradish. I need to get some horseradish. Uh, nutritional yeast, sauerkraut, that I've been having too the last couple weeks. Hot sauce, which I is the one sauce I do use right now. Raw honey and stevia, which I will never use. Stevia, ugh, stuff's nasty. Nasty tasting and nasty. And then beverages, unsweetened seltzer, sparkling water, green tea, coffee, ginger tea, and unsweetened iced tea. <laughs> I still think it's healthy, but it is high in sugar, is the tart cherry juice. I've heard of the benefits of it and talked about the benefits of it. But there are many healthy foods you can add to a nutritious grocery list. Adding mostly whole, unprocessed foods to your diet will help you get healthier and reach your nutrition goals. Basically, the grocery shopping doesn't have to be complicated. Using the shopping list to guide you through the grocery store is an excellent way to stick to your nutrition goals. Plus, preparing a meal plan and shopping list can save you time and money. Given its potential benefits, creating a healthy grocery shopping list should be at the top of your to-do list. So hopefully that helps you get get some ideas to make your shopping a little bit easier because it's a pain in the ass. I am two weeks in and I still don't have a routine. I haven't found my book with my last sugar flush in it where I wrote all my recipes down and stuff. It might be a week of salmon and cod next week because I got lots of salmon and cod piled up. And I did pull some chicken breast out there my cut into small strips, get those cooked up so I can dice them up into my salads again. That's all, That always gives salad a little boost. Because it, it's been a hard time eating salads for some reason this, this time around. I do still like my salad dressing, but the salad itself is it's not finding all the right ingredients that make me enjoy it. And then, let's see... 
Uh, acidic foods. Which ones are bad for us? Basically, the body tightly regulates its pH balance through a variety of mechanisms that involve multiple organs like the kidneys and lungs. Although your diet may affect the pH of your urine, research generally suggests that consuming acidic or alkaline foods is unlikely to have a significant impact on the pH levels of your blood. In fact, increased levels of acid in your blood are usually indicative of an underlying health issue like diabetes that's not well managed, lung disease, or kidney problems. Still, some people choose to limit foods high in acid to reduce their potential renal acid load, their PRAL, which refers to the amount of acid your body produces from the foods you eat. The higher the PRAL rating, the more acid is produced upon digestion. Yada, 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 yada. Let's see. High acid food and drinks. Foods that tend to cause more acidity in the body and that you may want to limit or avoid include certain dairy products, including cheese. Okay, I've been eating cheese. Fish and seafood, which I've been eating. <laughs> High sodium processed foods. I haven't been doing those. Fresh meats and processed meats, such as corned beef and turkey. I've been having some turkey. Certain starchy foods, such as brown rice, oat flakes, or granola. Doing wild rice. Carbonated beverages, such as soda, seltzer, and spritzers. Don't do that. High-protein foods and supplements with animal protein. Don't do no supplements. Or... The researchers supporting the connection between foods like animal protein and chronic disease due to a change in the body's pH is limited. They're going to need new research to see if anything changes, but no, I don't think, don't think we really need to worry unless our doctors tell us that we need to cut certain things out because of other issues, like they said, with the kidney and diabetes and stuff. Uh, they got a list of things with their PRLs. But yeah, I'm not going to run through those. They got the vegetables and their PRLs. Drinks that are high in acid, low acid foods. Drinks would be avoid high phosphorus drinks such as beer or hot chocolate made from packets of cocoa mix. If you do wish to drink alcohol, go with lower phosphorus red or white wine or tequila. <laughs> I don't, don't, that's just me saying that. Don't take my, I don't know if it's high or not. Phosphorus stuff. Carbonic acid, which is present in all carbonated beverages, including not only soft drinks, but sparkling waters and spritzers, contributes to your total body acid. And filtered tap water is the best. <laughs> Low acid foods. Some alkalizing foods. 
or neutral foods and beverages that can incorporate into your diet. Includes soy, such as miso, so soybeans, tofu, and tempeh, yogurt and milk, most fresh vegetables, including potatoes, most fruits, herbs and spices, including salt, mustard, and nutmeg, beans and lentils, some whole grains, such as millet, quinoa, and amaranth, uh, herbal teas, and fats like olive oils, avocados, nuts, and seeds. But basically, it's basically because the body closely regulates its pH balance through a series of complicated mechanisms. Following an alkaline diet is unlikely to significantly impact blood pH levels for most healthy adults. Still, a balanced diet that includes more fruits and vegetables, dairy, milk, and yogurt, more plant protein sources, and limits processed foods may be helpful to ma maintain normal acid base balance and overall health. And eating more fruits and veggies and limiting animal products and high sodium processed foods may, may or may not help balance pH levels within your body. So moving towards a more plant-based eating plan has been shown to reduce the risk of chronic illness. So let your mind decide and go with what you feel best and listen to your body and see what it feels best also is the best bit, way to do it as far as I'm concerned. And the thing I promote and think is the best is probiotics. Your gut holds the clues. Researchers say certain probiotics can improve gut bacteria in people with multiple sclerosis. For many years, experts considered gut microbes vital for one thing, but the past 10 years have shown that gut that the gut does more than digest food. It plays an integral role in the immune system. There are two kinds of gut microbes, those that are pro-anti-inflammatory and those that provoke the immune system, causing inflammation. When the bacteria are out of balance, it can lead to excessive activation of the immune system, which leads to disease. So you want to definitely balance your gut uh, biomes. Work with probiotics and prebiotics like we've uh, worked on in the past. We've given you a list of different types of probiotics and prebiotics to work out. Uh, it is possible to change an MS gut by simply giving it a probiotic. And if successful... Uh, you may see changes in your immune system. There's a need for safe ways to manage MS. One way to manage MS is to manipulate the immune response in the body, thus triggering an anti-inflammatory reaction. Uh, this team chose Visbiome, a brand name of VSL3 for this study that they did. And it is a high potency probiotic that has been around for 
More than a decade, it includes eight strains of bacteria and is produced in the U.S. The basic formula is available over the counter for 50 bucks a month. Supply an extra strength version is available by prescription. Uh, it has a good safety profile. They did, of course, did animal studies with it. Study revealed, well, it included 13 healthy control volunteers and 9 MS patients. The study required three hospital visits where neurological exams and blood and stool samples were taken. And after an initial visit, the participants then took Visbiome for two months. Then another round of tests were performed. Participants stopped taking the probiotics, and after three months, another round of tests was conducted. So, they did a bunch of testing to find out some results based on that. MS guts have a tendency for abundance of pro inflammatory bacteria. This study showed a reduction in this abundance, which is a good thing. Uh, probiotics are also being tested for a variety of conditions, including HIV and traumatic, traumatic brain injuries. Uh, so yeah, they got to look more into those studies and tests and see where they go with it. And of course, if you're working with your probiotics and prebiotics and all that, and working on your gut biomes and stuff, well, you might as well learn about poop along the way. <laughs> Nothing like Ending it with a little bit of poop problems. Uh, it's well known in the multiple sclerosis community that bowel issues are common for those living with the disease. Uh, many MSers aren't able to rid themselves of potential toxins, at least not in a timely or comfortable fashion. In one of those, uh, or that's this person's one of those people. So why is this something so many people with MS deal with and how can you cope with it? Here are some insights that may help. There are several factors that are at play here. Neurological damage, medication, insufficient water intake, and limited physical activity. Let's take a look at each of those factors. Uh, Due to the lesion placement, those of us with MS may not receive the signal from our brains to our bowels that say, you got to go. You got to go now, man. Move your ass. <laughs> uh, alternatively, you may not have the capacity to relax and release or push. Hello, spasticity. Our bodies, when working correctly, have an automatic mechanism called peristalsis, where muscles alternatively constrict and relax to move content of the intestines forward and out. When a lesion lands in the wrong place, the mechanism can be impacted. Many medications can cause constipation, 
especially those used for pain. It's a cruel irony that medication given to relieve pain may cause more pain due to constipation it causes. It's like, yeah, it's being back on this uh, intermittent fasting too. I'm shitting every other day <laughs> instead of every day like I was used to. And when you're shitting every other day, it can come out a little harder, clumpier, <laughs> bigger. Uh, it hurts <laughs> coming out. <sighs> uh, and when your muscles aren't contracting right, that's even worse because you just can't get it to come out. Uh, I love <laughs> I warned you, uh, we always get nasty on this podcast. You've probably heard that you should drink six to eight glasses of water per day. Drink even more than that. Not only will that keep you hydrated, it'll keep your stool soft, softer and help transport it through your intestines. I'm drinking at least three to four 16-ounce glasses of water a day. It's not doing enough for me. I guess I got to add another one. Also, eating more fiber is always a first-line recommendation when experiencing constipation. You'll need to drink more water when you up your fiber in order to keep everything moving properly. Uh, Exercise facilitates colonic movement by making the poop move through the intestines more. Rapidly, try taking a walk, standing, marching, yoga, using a stationary bike, or pedaling an exercise machine if you have physical limitations. So I'm doing yoga right now. It's not helping my poop. <laughs> Let's see. How many times should I poop in a week? Uh, the answer to this question varies from person to person. Some people feel better with daily bowel movements. Uh, others can skip a day or two and be fine. A good gold standard would be at least three per week. Pelvic floor dysfunction, physical therapist. Oh, okay, that's the person telling about it. What should the consistency of my poop be? Ideally, it will be like a banana. This will vary with what you eat. What should I be eating to help? my constipation. Increase your fiber. Recommended 25 to 30 grams per day. Think nuts, seeds, beans, lentils, peas, some fruits such as berries and bananas, vegetables, wheat bran, and whole grains. Uh, Equally important is what to remove from your diet. This gets back to knowing your own gut and what bothers it. A lot of people find that dairy is a culprit. Causing bloating, gas, and constipation. Cut out dairy, milk, cheese, yogurt, ice cream, and butter for two to four weeks and see if your symptoms improve. Some people are sensitive to gluten. You may want to try the same elimination diet for gluten as well. Add fiber, eat better, drink more water, exercise more. I've tried all of this, that, and I'm still constipated. Any suggestions I haven't heard before? 
uh, pelvic floor exercises you can try out because pelvic floor exercises helps to hold poop in and let the poop out. Uh, the posterior or back part of the pelvic floor works for bowel control. There's a part of the pelvic floor called the anal sphincter. It's the small but strong circular muscle that wraps around the end of the rectum, helping to cre create closure. Think of it as the end of the balloon that you blow into. <laughs> Just don't blow into the actual anal sphincter. <laughs> the anal sphincter doesn't get all the glory for bowel control, though. There's another key player called the puborectalis, a U-shaped muscle that loops around the rectum to pull it forward towards the public pubic bone public bone <laughs> creating a kink the kink helps keep poop in when you want want and relaxes to allow it when out when you want it out kegel exercises are a good way to help with those things uh i think yeah we're almost out of time here uh, things to help you poop correctly, use a step stool, don't strain, be consistent, perform self-abdominal massages. Basically, if you try all these suggestions and you're still experiencing constipation, it's time to call your doctor. You may want to start with your neurologist who may refer you to a gastroenterologist. There are a number of tests that can be run to identify the cause of the constipation and address it, potentially with a medication protocol. That could be just what the doctor ordered. So there's your poop, poop shoot and stuff for today. And I don't think we have enough time. I will mention some stretches that you can do and you can research them yourself and get how to do them if you don't know how to do them. But these are great morning stretchers to help you with your posture and to get you loosened up and going for your, to the, for your day. And they're great even at night too to loosen you up before you go to bed. The active child's pose, the standing forward fold, cat cow, standing cat cow, the high plank, downward facing dog, thoracic spine rotation, are a variety of ones that are good for you. They have many different names, many different types. You just gotta go off any type of start up for a yoga routine and stuff like that or a cool down we'll have a lot of these stretching exercises as part of it so that can help you out too but yeah it was quite a bit of stuff today started with the basics talking with the morning coffee to get you going got you through a variety of healthy shopping and cooking ideas, got you through some probiotics and prebiotics to help your gut if you ate too much weird stuff over the holidays. And in the end, 
may help you poop it out and give you some stretching exercise to relieve yourself. So <laughs> I think that was a pretty good layout. Who knows? <laughs> I need some feedback. Let me know. Write, rate, review. Tell a friend or two about us. Get us some more followers. Be good to yourself. Be good to your body. Be good to everybody else. Don't strangle any of your family members over the holidays this year. And have a great, wonderful rest of your week. And I hope you enjoy your holidays. Be good.